two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I am so glad you're here today because I am joined by Julie Kelly, an author and investigative journalist who is known for her unique and breaking news coverage, whether it's the COVID-19 lockdowns, January 6th, or the many indictments against Donald Trump. Julie has covered some of the most pivotal moments in recent political history, and she has a particular affinity for rooting out and exposing the weaponization and corruption occurring in our government, which we seem to be seeing more of every single day, particularly at the DOJ and FBI. And as we sit here on the morning of the first Republican primary debate for president, I want to thank Julie for joining me as we dig into some of that recent reporting and how she thinks that's going to impact this 2024 race for president. Julie, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Tudor. Thanks for having me on joining you from the other side of Lake Michigan. So thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for joining me from that side. It's a beautiful lake. We're very blessed to be in this area of the country. Um, You're there because something really big is happening today, and that is the debate for the next Republican nominee for president of the United States. But one of those people is not going to be there. We all know that the The former president, Donald Trump, has said he's not going to be there. I mean, I think there's still some debate as to whether or not he may just show up at the last minute because he is someone that is always unpredictable. That's one thing that we know about Donald Trump for sure is that you don't know what he's ever going to do. But you know a lot about what he's going through right now, and that is four four indictments. Can you explain? I I think that one of the things that people have been asking me a lot about is what does this one in Georgia mean? Because we seem we've kind of unpacked this and said, if they convict him, 
How does he get out of that? There's no federal pardon. There's no gubernatorial pardon there. How does that work? You know, it looks like in terms of the Georgia indictment that it's going to be difficult. And we already see that former chief of staff Mark Meadows has filed a motion to move this to federal court, I think successfully arguing that he was a federal employee at the time, that Georgia really has no purview over trying to criminally charge him, which they've already done. So I assume that Donald Trump will be doing the same thing. I see some legal observers, some fair ones on our side, feeling pretty certain that these local county state charges won't stick against the federal employees, Mark Meadows, um, possibly Jeffrey Clark, who was the acting deputy assistant attorney general at the time, and certainly Donald Trump. We know she has no purview over this. You know, this is the broad version of the federal RICO statute that she's exploiting half Tudor, half of the 161 overt acts that she cites in this 90-page-plus indictment have nothing to do with anything that happened in Georgia. She's talking about conversations that relate to Pennsylvania and Arizona and other states. How does she have those conversations? Well, I think she has those conversations, just like Jack Smith did. They lifted a lot of information from the January 6th Select Committee, their witness interviews, and their 837-page report. So she certainly didn't, how would she have obtained a text between Mark Meadows and Pennsylvania Congressman uh, Scott Perry asking for the phone number of the Republican head of the state legislature? Like, how is that even evidence of a crime. So as we know, this is a stretch, but unfortunately they have now issued a $200,000 bond for Donald Trump. And it sounds like he will be reporting, uh, turning himself in on Thursday, which is crazy. I know it, it is crazy. It does. How can this not be election meddling when you have him? I mean, the timing of this alone you're everybody's going to want to talk about this debate and suddenly the debate is just going to go by the wayside because it everything all news stations will be following him turning himself in mm-hmm. and it'll be all the focus will be back on Donald Trump and what does that mean for the rest of the Republican party right now well, it is election interference, and it's not just election interference, of course, for the general, um, but you're going to see these Republican candidates get not probably half of the questions will relate to uh, Donald mm. Trump's multiple indictments, what's going to happen, you know, what their viewpoint is on that. So voters really are not going to have a chance to differentiate between all the candidates on the various issues. Um, But of course, this is all really targeting the general election. You see poll after poll where Donald Trump is not just pulling away from the rest of the Republican field, but now highly competitive uh, in a matchup with Joe Biden. I think there was a poll that just came out that showed Donald Trump three or four points ahead. So is this exactly, you know, there's some thinking, Tudor, that this is what the Democrats, the Biden regime and the media want. They want all Mm -hmm. these indictments to bolster Trump's popularity and his standing in the polls. But how the other Republicans, I'll tell you, have responded, I think it was pretty lackluster. But we'll see furthermore what their answers are and how they're going to handle this in the very rare chance that any of them are elected president, how they'll handle not just Donald Trump, Tudor, but 1,100 Americans who have already been charged with January 6th 
who face extremely serious charges, uh, and this DOJ continuing to round up new January 6th defendants every single week. So it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about the 1,100 plus American citizens who also have been ensnared in this abusive, retaliatory, vengeful prosecution. That's I actually was just going to say that because you say they've been lackluster and I haven't. I mean, maybe I've missed it, but I haven't heard many of them talk about January 6th. And I got to tell you, I was talking to somebody earlier this week who said, to be honest with you, I'm voting for him because I'm hoping that when he wins, he'll pardon us. Mm-hmm. What are the other, when are the other candidates going to address this? Because I think when you say 1,100 people, there are people in prison. They're essentially political prisoners. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Because I think most people, everybody is afraid to talk about the subject. Let's be honest. We are afraid to talk about January 6th and be honest about it. And because of that, I mean, because of that, you say it's lackluster. And I agree. I think that the candidates are like, oh, man, I don't want to say anything. But people are really in jail that don't deserve to be. in. They've never even seen a trial. They've never even talked to anyone about this. Explain a little bit about that, because I think that people have no clue. So thank you for asking me that. I've been covering January 6th really since the very beginning. And what really attracted me to what was happening was seeing that the DOJ was asking for and receiving what's called pretrial detention. And that means denying bond to people who were arrested related to their involvement in January 6th. And so Peter, it's not that they have to, they, they have an opportunity to even get out. They no. were taken, they've no trial. This is like guilty before you have a chance to prove your innocence. They don't have a chance to pay bail. They have no way of getting out, correct? That's exactly right. They were rounded up. They were subjected to the FBI's counterterrorism unit, subjected to pre-dawn raids with SWAT teams, with armed agents holding rifles, pointing them not just at the suspect, but family members, including children. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have horror stories and I write about this in my book and I'll have more follow-up. You cannot believe this is happening in America, Gestapo-style raids of people's homes eventually then charged with not seditious, not insurrection, not you know domestic terrorism, charged with things like obstruction of an official proceeding or conspiracy. Or the I mean, are these, are these felonies? What are these? I, I mean, we because we've all been told that this was an insurrection, but if it was an insurrection and they're not charged with the Insurrection Act, then... What it, what are these crimes and are they worthy? What they are charging them with is the punishment worthy of the crime. Well, the punishment, I mean, the process is the punishment, right? Um, but what I talk about also, I just have a piece up on my Substack, declassified with Julie Kelly, and I talk about how if you really had to describe the events of January 6th based on the criminal charges that have been brought, it would have to be called a parade because the overwhelming, most common charge is a petty offense of parading in the Capitol. And this has been slapped against hundreds of January 6th defendants. But in addition to weaponizing this charge, which usually the federal court never deals with, it's handled in the local D.C. court, people get a slap on the wrist, a $50 fine, And then they're let go. They never even have to come back to court. That's not the case with January Sixers. In addition to bringing this very rare petty offense, federal offense, Tudor, what's happening is DOJ and federal judges are signing off unlawfully on something called a split sentence. 
These people who either pleaded guilty or were convicted of this low-level offense, judges were imposing jail time and probation, violating federal sentencing guidance. And I just talk about in my new piece because the D.C. appellate court came down and said, no, no, no. It's either jail time or it's probation. But these judges don't care. The government, this DOJ, flagrantly violates the law because they're never held accountable. And now the D.C. Circuit has come down and said, no, this is not right. This is how you should read the statute. It's either or. And now you have 60 60 or so sentences uh, that could be overturned because this DOJ and federal bench in Washington, D.C. Um, continue to weaponize the law, ignore sentencing guidance just to impose extra judicial and excessive punishment against people who protested Joe Biden's election more than two and a half years ago. So is that so that means there are about 60 people that are in prison in D.C. right now? No. So a lot of them for this low level offense have been um, can, have been sentenced to either like 14 days in jail up to maybe four months. So a lot of them have already served their prison time, mm-hmm. but they're still on probation. And get but this still Peter, probation. You have judges who have admitted that they wanted to impose three years probation term so they could monitor them through the 2024 election. This is not just election interference, like you said. It's stymieing, it's criminalizing political dissent, political activity. And the judges aren't even trying to hide it, which is crazy. Um, so, so again, this extends far beyond uh, Donald Trump. It's all, in, it's all these Americans who have been ensnared in this. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We had a guest on... um the leader of the walkaway movement, Brandon Strzok, he was convicted of, a, I guess it was a misdemeanor, but he ended up with house arrest for, I think, 12 months and maybe maybe longer. I need to verify that. And he is on probation until 2026. That seems really radical to be, he can't, you know, he's in the state of Nebraska, can't move, can't go anywhere else without permission to have any movements whatsoever. I think that people don't realize that this is happening. I mean, is his case one of those cases where you would say, does is this election monitoring because he had a movement for people to walk away from the Democrat Party and now he can't leave the state of Nebraska, which is probably not a hop in political state to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're Midwesterners, so we're going to be kind. And my grandmother was from Nebraska. But um, I mean, I think he was in home incarceration for at least three months, possibly six. And now he is on probation. He's able able to travel, but he still has to check in. I know, Brandon, he's a friend of mine, um, has to check in with his probation officer. I think he has to get pre-approval before he can travel. But of course, they want to monitor Brandon and his organization through mm. the 2024 election, set up these traps to see if he violates the terms of his probation so they can either throw him in jail for contempt or other people for contempt for violating their release conditions or probation terms. So this is something we haven't seen in America, and it's still going on. Tudor, this DOJ is still arresting people every week. You have the FBI hunting down people every week, announcing charges, announcing convictions, announcing excessive sentences. So January 6th for those candidates who say they want to move on from January 6th, uh, that if they're elected president, they're just going to move on. This is a losing political issue. There's no moving on because it's still happening every single day. How many people would you say were taken into prison that were not given the opportunity to Pay, pay a bail. They were also, they're also waiting for a trial date. I mean, we're talking about, gosh, we're three years, almost, we're I three know. years out now, right? Right. And this, and they're still in prison and they've never seen a courtroom. Is that, is that possible? It is possible. And I know there are at least a few defendants, Tudor, who were arrested in January and February of 2021, who were thrown not just in the D.C. gulag, transported to jails across the country, who to this day still have not faced trial. To your point, it is due process flipped on its head. These individuals are considered guilty before being proven innocent. To your question, the number who were held under pretrial detention orders is upwards of 100 individuals. Now, a lot oh. of them have faced trial already, have been convicted, have been sentenced and are just adding on to their, you know, serving their prison sentence. 
Um, but I would say close to probably 110 Americans denied release by D.C. judges held either in the D.C. Gulag or other prisons as the DOJ at the same time is delaying, intentionally delaying their trials. And some of these people are, are young people, fathers who have little kids, and we're talking right. toddlers at home, and they have not seen their kids. They haven't, and they're not even charged with violent crimes. Um, and so, and a lot, some of them are veterans. Actually, quite a few of them are veterans. Almost all of them have no criminal record. But if you look at what the judges say and you look at DOJ's, what they say, it doesn't matter. None of the usual rules apply. The laws don't apply because what the government DOJ says, what federal judges say is the events of January 6th are so unprecedented. This was an attack, an assault on our democracy. Christopher Ray has called January 6th an act of domestic terror. So to that end, none of the rules apply. None of the, none of the equal application of justice applies because they have determined that January 6th is so unprecedented, was so violent, was an attempt to overthrow our government um, that these men, any of them who are involved, even minimally should face the harshest consequences. So, I mean, not to play the whataboutism card, but it's interesting to see this level of vindiction or, you know, this, this level of determination to get these folks and say that this is terrorism. When you see what happened in Minnesota, for example, where people genuinely lost their lives, they lost their livelihoods, their businesses were destroyed. I mean, I can think of nothing more domestic terrorism than ripping someone's business away and and having no consequences for that. Burning down buildings, looting stores, destroying people's lives. And those people are all on video too. And there's no searching those folks down. And in fact, when we look at what Democrats are doing nationwide, they're not tough on crime. They're not concerned about whether or not people are able to live safely. And I'm talking about just walk from your office to your car without having to worry about whether you're going to have somebody hold you up or that your car is actually going to be there and not be broken into. I mean, now we're seeing San Francisco, people are just broad daylight going in and breaking the windows of cars and stealing things out of them. There's no place it's safe in these Democrat cities, but they're doing this. Trump obviously has been indicted for January 6th. So I don't think people fully understand. I mean, we hear about this and it's like, oh, well, it must be a day that ends in why Trump got indicted. You know, this is like the new thing. So explain to us what this looks like from the presidential perspective, because we kind of think that presidents have some sort of protection and certainly speech. And he went out there and spoke that day. But what exactly are they saying he couldn't he did that he wasn't allowed to do? So I want to pick up on something you were just talking about, though, Tudor, and that is people who say, and understandably, if you were violent on January 6th, we want you punished accordingly. If you attack police officers, we want you charged. However, the very same sort of riot that happened in Washington, D.C., just six months before January 6th, where you had rioters on federal property at Lafayette Square right outside of the White House. You had BLM Antifa rioters trying to scale the fence outside of the White House. They were burning parts of the St. John Church, which is right across the street from the White House, prompted, as you recall, the lockdown of the White House. All of those charges have been dropped. 
not only, and this is the same U.S. Attorney's Office, by the way, who dropped all 2020 rioting charges, who still are charging January Sixers. And well, federal buildings in Portland, too. Remember, they were throwing right. Molotov cocktails into the federal buildings in Portland. They were attacking the people in the federal buildings in Portland. They couldn't even get out of the That's building right. as they were being bombed. And nobody's in trouble there. No, they're not. And that's what really enrages people, as you know, Tudor, this egregious double standard of justice, uh, where you're still rounding up paraders from over two and a half years ago, yet you're letting major cities devolve into violent chaos every night, including Washington, D.C. So I think that that is what really uh, infuriates people the most. As far as the January 6th charges against Donald Trump that Jack Smith brought last, uh, well, earlier this month, seems like last month, it seems like last year, I think it was August 1st, the indictment right. was announced. Like I said, every day now, it's like, which one is it that we're talking about? Right. So I believe August 1st, I think the indictment was handed, handed up. So he faces now four counts, um, obstruction of an official proceeding, which is the most common felony related to the January 6th prosecution. This, again, another law that's been weaponized by DOJ. It's a post-Enron statute that has to deal with tampering with evidence and witnesses, not interrupting a congressional proceeding, which, you know, Americans have done for decades, centuries, really. And then conspiracy to obstruct and then two other conspiracy charges. So he faces four counts right now. I believe that the January 6th indictment in Washington poses the greatest legal jeopardy for Donald Trump. Um, Hmm. The Florida classified documents one is sort of a joke. Um, Jack Smith knows that. And he's got a very hard nosed judge in Judge Aileen Cannon. That is not the case in Washington, D.C., a city who will a jury will be seated by voters in a city that voted 93 percent for Joe Biden that views the events of January 6th very personally and differently than the rest of the country. He has a brazen partisan judge in Judge Tanya Chutkin, an Obama appointee, who has suggested, suggested in one hearing, uh, and I tweeted this a few weeks ago, suggested in one hearing that Donald Trump should be behind bars, in another hearing that he should face charges. Her, um, her really inflammatory language, and in some cases, dishonest language that she uses in describing what happened in January 6th, she should automatically be disqualified from handling this case, but she won't be. So Jack Smith brought these charges, by the way, the entire investigation, um, the classified documents, too, is handled in D.C. because they know they're going to get favorable grand juries, favorable court rulings, and then a a favorable jury who won't care about the evidence. They only care about the opportunity to put Donald Trump behind bars. The burden of proof is so low. This is why DOJ, Tudor, has almost a near perfect conviction rate in January 6 cases. These juries return, and I've watched it. They've returned all guilty verdicts in record time um, before anyone can even write the story what happened in closing arguments. The jury's coming back with all guilty verdicts. So this is the sort of environment that Donald Trump finds himself in, and that's why I think it's the riskier one for him. So if that's the case, then... Mark Meadows bringing wanting to take the Georgia case to a federal court. I mean, I'm guessing that would be a totally different court system. He's hoping for a different judge that that would not go to this exact spot. But doesn't it seem like 
if you're going to a federal court, you're going to end up in D.C. And it's not necessarily going to be friendly for anybody who's been involved in something related to January 6th. I'm not really sure how that would work. That's a good question, because I know he's asking for the federal court um, in outside of Atlanta to take up okay. those charges, saying that she really had no jurisdiction, which she doesn't. Um, so I think that that's part of the motion that Mark Meadows and I assume Donald Trump and Jeffrey Clark will seek as well. But also, there are still six unnamed um, co-conspirators in Jack Smith's January 6th indictment in for against Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. So we are expecting more criminal charges against some of the same folks who were charged in Georgia, John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, oh, wow. Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark, who also will be charged uh, in D.C. for January 6th. So this is not over by a long stretch. I also think that Jack Smith will bring more criminal charges against Donald Trump for January 6th. It's hard for me to believe that he's only going to settle for a four-count indictment. I would not be surprised if he does seek seditious conspiracy charges against Trump as well. What is the, I mean, if he were convicted, what would he be looking at for punishment? So in the existing indictment, obstruction of an official proceeding carries up to a 20-year prison term. A lot of individuals who are, have either pleaded guilty or have been convicted at trial have spent four to five, six years sentenced to four to five, six years in prison. Tudor, you remember uh, Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman? That's what mm -hmm. he pleaded guilty to, obstruction, and he spent 41 months in prison. So um, the likelihood that if this does go to trial, if he is convicted, he will ultimately be sentenced to at least four or five years in prison on that obstruction count alone uh, is very real. And there's a lot of recent uh, case law to support the fact that he faces real jail time if he's convicted. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is pretty big. If you're talking about the 2024 election, I think there are certain people who feel like, well, I need to vote for him because then he can take the country back and he can stop this stuff from happening. And then there's got to be other folks that are like, I mean, what happens? We're going to have a president who could potentially be in prison. Well, here's the thing, Tudor, despite what Jack Smith has said about wanting to take this case to trial in December of this year, which is crazy. He doesn't. Um, it's very unlikely that this case, I mean, usually the average time for any of these J six cases to go to trial is about 14 to 20 months. So it's very unlikely that Jack Smith will be able to take this to trial before the election. And he's going to want to delay this, too. He's not ready to go to trial. He just admitted they've got 11 million pages of um, discovery evidence that they have to that they've turned over to Donald Trump's lawyers. So he doesn't want this to go to trial. So the likelihood that Donald Trump will be in jail convicted and sentenced before Election Day or anywhere near it is highly unlikely now. If Jack Smith brings seditious conspiracy charges against Donald Trump, could he ask for pretrial detention like he has in other cases? Absolutely. And I wouldn't put it past him for doing Mm. just that. That would be wild, wouldn't it? Yes. Wow. So tonight, tonight we have the rest of the Republican field that is going, they're going to be debating. What, give us your predictions on does January 6th even come up? And then if it doesn't come up or if it does come up, what else will they talk about that will be Trump focused? Because obviously he's not there, but I think he's still going to steal the show in some way or another. (laughs) I mean, I think the entire debate is going to be about Donald Trump. Um, I think that I've heard and I've been highly critical of some of the answers, especially from Governor Ron DeSantis, who I'm a fan of. Mm -hmm. I have a place in Florida. I really like what he's done there. But his answers related to January 6th are totally, in my mind, unacceptable. If he says again tonight what he's been saying to Tudor, which is we need to move on from January 6th, that if the general election is about the 20, what happened in 2020 and January 6th, we will lose. Ron DeSantis, the state of Florida, has the highest number of defendants in the January 6th prosecution. Um, He has over, I believe, 120 and some of them facing the harshest charges and convictions like seditious conspiracy. Mm -hmm. There is no moving on. They're still arresting people from Florida. 
They're still holding people under pretrial detention. You have a man in Florida who was convicted at a bench trial from a Reagan judge, 81-year-old Reagan judge Royce Lambert, convicted in a bench trial. DOJ came back and wants this man in jail for 14 years for allegedly spraying pepper spray at police that day. This is not, there's no comparable case or sentence like this in Washington, D.C. Um, and now he has left. He He's on the lam. He's escaping justice because he doesn't want to spend 14 years in prison. Ron DeSantis has not spoken up for his own constituents who are being abused, vilified, and destroyed, quite frankly, by this DOJ. If he doesn't have a better answer tonight and he continues to say that, I think you will keep seeing the slide in uh, the polls. But more importantly, um, I just feel personally disappointed and on behalf of his constituents and defendants' families in Florida who I talked to. His silence on this matter is really deafening. The rest of the field are going to say it was Donald Trump's fault. He's responsible. It was an insurrection. You know, Mike Pence will see what he has to say. But I would expect for those who consider January 6th a top issue and the biggest example of the weaponization of DOJ and FBI, if they continue to see these sort of, I said, lackluster, I think weak, um, really disappointing responses, Donald Trump will just continue to uh, increase his lead over this field. It's interesting because I think about this politically and you know, reality and the political world are not always so easy to meld together, right? You know this. Um, so, I mean, I even hear as I sit here, think about, gosh, we're going to put this out there. And really, it's one of the only times people will talk about what is truly going on with January 6th, because everyone is so afraid that if I talk about it, I'll be canceled. I'll be taken down. We can't discuss it. But this is the, I mean, why can't we have the conversation? It's not a, a for or against it's a this these are the facts why can't we talk about the facts and because we're not allowed to talk about the facts that people have been taken in that there are people that will continue to be taken in that these trials are going one way or the other people don't know and i gotta say out of sight out of mind i mean it's it, it was the same thing with hawaii you know everybody's like why isn't joe biden going there if he's not in hawaii no one knows how bad hawaii is if the news media leaves hawaii then we don't realize how devastated hawaii is from these this fire it's the same thing here if the news media steps away and they're afraid and and to be honest with you we're afraid to talk about this because i'm like gosh i could I could lose this entire podcast talking, just talking about this. It really is a fear. And so politically, I, I just think about this and I'm like, man, I know what these people are thinking. They're like, mm, I just would rather not touch that and, and figure it out after the fact. And there are thousands of people that this affected. And continues still to affects. affect. Right. So yeah. if you're a candidate, and you're promising that you are going to end the weaponization of government, that you're going to fire the FBI director, that you are going to take a hold of DOJ. You cannot have that conversation and you cannot make that sort of a campaign promise without talking about January 6th. Mm -hmm. It is all it is the fixation of this Department of Justice. It has been the top priority of the FBI, not just main FBI, every single 
one of the 56 FBI field offices have been involved in these raids. They are still investigating people. They are using social media companies. They're getting bank records from Bank of America. They're getting, I mean, we have a long list of how this has been weaponized. How are they, how are they even allowed to do that? I think that's the thing that people don't get when they, they hear about this. And honestly, I think so on both sides, they're like, Hey, they shouldn't have done that. So whatever is coming for them, I think that's right. But they're, there are levels of punishment. There is rule of law. There are pres- cases that show precedent. You know, we we know that not necessarily the way they've they've gone about this is the right way. But how are they allowed to go through your bank economy? Is that really something that we just didn't know that the DOJ is allowed to do? Because they go to Bank of America and they say, we want records of every customer that you have that used their credit card or got cash from January 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th in Washington, D.C. And that's what they turned over. They will go to Amazon and say, we have this individual. Um, We want to see what purchases they made on Amazon because we want to connect this shirt with this photograph of this defendant who is outside the Capitol. They've gone to Twitter and Facebook, social media companies, forcing them, not forcing them. Look, these companies are happy to work with the FBI. We already saw this through the Twitter files, right? I mean, they're working hand in glove. So they will go to these companies and they'll say, we want all of the deleted, all of the data that was deleted from this individual's social media account. Then they go through messages. They go through DMs that they had with people. They use memes that they posted as evidence of wrongdoing. I mean, people, I, and I hate to pop my book, but I will. I mean, I wrote about this in my first book. Uh, January 6th, how the Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. I mean, that book went uh, to market uh, January of 2022. It's still ongoing. So anyone who wants to move on or is too afraid to confront this, first of all, they should not be president because this is the top issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, I've dealt with cowardly politicians, now lawmakers for two and a half years who refuse to talk about this. And Tudor, not just talk about what DOJ is doing, talk about what federal agencies did to provoke the events of January 6th. That's the big thing they don't want to talk about. The undercover FBI informants who are involved, the undercover agents from numerous law enforcement officials, why they had intelligence that they claim talked about the threat on January 6th, but it was buried and not shared with law enforcement. Why Stephen Sund, who just gave that interview with um, Tucker Carlson for an hour, talked about how he was intentionally kept in the dark, that he demanded for two days extra National Guardsmen and was thwarted, not just days ahead of time, but that afternoon, they still refused to give him the help that he needed. Why is so much evidence collected from the January 6th Select Committee? Why is that buried? Why do some congressmen now say some evidence has been destroyed? Why do we not know more about the FBI's involvement? What and why isn't why and don't we have to hold Nancy Pelosi responsible? Because truly, if I mean, I've talked to some of the so so to be fair, I want to say I've talked to some of the congressmen that were in session that day, and they being in that room had no idea 
what was happening. And they truly feared for their lives. When I hear their stories, they're like, look, we had no idea what was happening. It was terrifying. I was calling my family to say goodbye. They were really afraid. So why isn't Nancy Pelosi held accountable? Because she knew all of that information. She knew all of that information and and her duty. But I think people forget she is in control of Congress. Her duty is to protect that building. And somehow that's never come out. And it blows my mind that the media hasn't been like, well, wait, when is Nancy Pelosi going to go in front of the J6 committee and talk about this? And and it just has never happened. I mean, I've, I've taken up a lot of your time. We I want to I would love to have you back on because I there's obviously something else that I'm interested in. And that is what's happened in Michigan. I know that you've studied quite a bit what happened behind the scenes with the Governor Whitmer kidnapping attempt. And there's some information there that I think that you have that most of the people in the country have never heard. And and that's just, for me, it's been really enlightening to have you here today because these are the things that we don't know. There's nobody, like I said, that wants to be putting themselves in the position of discussing it. And Julie Kelly, honestly, thank you for what you do because there's no one else doing it. I, can you tell people where to get your book and, and the title of it again? Sure. And I would love to come back on because the only issue I've covered more than January 6th is what the Whitmer fednapping hoax. And of course, the two appeals for the defendants who finally were convicted after the second trial, those appeals were filed uh, last week and they're very interesting. So I'd love to come back on and talk about that. My book, uh, January 6th, you can purchase on Amazon. My Substack is declassified with Julie Kelly and I'm on Twitter a lot posting breaking news, new court motions, etc. Julie underscore Kelly, too. Thank you so much. It's been very enlightening talking to you. I mean, honestly, things that I didn't know, and I'm going to be honest, I've been afraid to talk about them. So I'm glad that you were willing to come on and chat about it with us. We'll be watching these debates tonight. Maybe we'll have to have you back and analyze that, too, based on the behavior of these folks and what they had to say about it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Tudor Dixon podcast. As always, for this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there. We'd love to have subscribers. You can also go to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator. Now you'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. I'm Hannah Storm and my new podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm chronicles my six decades in professional basketball from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.